Um, I'm excited to, to continue um, going through Hebrews with you this morning. Um, when, when Kyle asked me to preach a couple weeks ago, um, I, I didn't know that it was daylight savings. I'm not entirely sure he didn't know that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm, still, I'm still excited. So uh, we're going to be uh, in Hebrews. We're going to go back a little bit into chapter 10 where Kyle was um, uh, last week. So if you would stand for the reading of God's word. We'll be uh, in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 35, and we'll go a few verses into um, chapter 11. You can follow along in your scriptures, or the words will be on the screen behind me. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Um, uh, a few weeks ago um, at the marriage retreat, um, we, we played a version of the newlywed game. Uh, not to brag or anything, but my wife and I won. Uh, but <clears throat> it came out during that game uh, that I have been known to uh, shed a tear or two uh, in movies, uh, specifically Lord of the Rings uh, more specifically, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, the final installment. And I just—I want to clarify, 100% true. That is 100% true. Uh, there are multiple parts of that movie actually that just get me, like every time. Um, so now I have to tell you about one of those uh, scenes. Um, in one scene, um, Aragorn—some of you don't care, but just track with me here. Aragorn, the Wandering Ranger, now taking up his rightful place as king leads the last army of men to the black gates of Mordor to draw out the army of the Dark Lord Sauron. I get really into this, okay? As the men stand at the gate, um, the army of orcs begins marching out to meet them, and, and, and the men are just woefully outnumbered. And you can see the fear starting to creep in on their faces, and even, even their bodies, they're, they're ready to just turn and bolt. Aragorn recognizes this, and he responds. I won't give his whole speech, but just, just I got to give some of it. He starts by saying, brothers, because he, he has to let them know he's there with them. He says, brothers, a day may come when the courage of men fails, but it is not this day. A day when the age of men comes crashing down, but it is not this day. And you can see, you can see the men. They're like, okay, okay, yeah, I think, I think we, we, we got this. He says, this day we fight by all that you hold dear on this good earth. I bid you stand, men of the West. And what I remembered happening was everyone going like, yeah. But then uh, I rewatched that clip and realized that that's just my reaction. Um, <clears throat> but, but, but that does, it doesn't move me. And, 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 and when that speech happens, the men, they do draw their swords and their faces are set and they are ready for battle. Even if you haven't seen this exact scene, you've seen something like it. Um, where you know, the, the general is rallying his troops when all seems lost, when uh, the coach encourages his dejected team at halftime. Um, this also isn't just in the movies. This is real life. Um, historically, I think of uh, FDR's speech before Congress after the attack on Pearl Harbor. 
uh, you know, the, the, the speech where he says this will be a day that, that lives in, in, in infamy. Or um, I think of President Bush's speeches at Ground Zero after 9-11. Um, I re- rewatched that this past weekend, and it is, it is moving. Um, even more recently, um, the, the uh, president of Ukraine uh, gave a speech this last week um, in which he said that even Ukrainians without guns and ammo have weapons. He says um, they have courage, dignity, and hence the ability to go out and say, I'm here, it's mine, and I won't give it away. My city, my community, my Ukraine. Wow, that's, that's, that's real. That's, that's moving, that's inspiring. And that's the kind of thing that shines a, a little light of hope when despair encroaches on our spirit. The kind of hope that, that then moves us to, to press on. And this is what I think the writer of Hebrews is actually doing right here. You can hear it even in, in the change that happens in verse 39. But, but before this, he was talking to his Jewish audience. Um, uh, he, he, he was saying, do not throw away your confidence. You have need of endurance. But now he's with them. It changes to we. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is his, but it is not this day moment. And we need this sense, I think, to truly get um, this passage and really all of chapter 11. So some of today is really setting us up for uh, some of the weeks to come because we need to hear this rallying cry. That's what it is. So the Jews um, who who this was originally written to needed to hear these words uh, in part because of the threat of persecution. Um, It it is actually a, a pretty... Um, unsystematic and therefore kind of an unpredictable persecution. Um, it could take the form of um, social isolation or, or, or social pressure. Um, it could go so far as uh, stoning for, for religious reasons or, or the Roman government um, sometimes just thought they were upsetting the public order so they would, they would persecute them. Um, but then the, in addition to that, there was also just the, the simple but powerful pull of sin that we know they must have felt. Um, given the, the warning not to sin that our writer uh, gives us back in verse um, 26 of chapter 10, which, which Kyle talked about some last week. So all of these things could, could make them think, is the road I'm on really worth it? Is, is following the way of Jesus, is that really worth it? The shadow of fear and despair just obscured their vision from their ultimate destination, their, their final hope. Now, we might not face the exact same threats, um, except temptation to sin. That's kind of standard across the board for all of us. Um, but we can still have a similar shadow encroach upon us, whether that is uh, grief at the loss of a, a loved one or maybe a sick relative. That can take the form of depression and loneliness and friendliness uh, maybe that's financial uncertainty. In all these cases, it, it can cause us to ask the same thing. Is the road that I'm on, is this way of Jesus really worth it? And the writer of Hebrews answers emphatically, yes. Yes, he says. I mean, we can go back up to verse uh, 34. He says, we have a better lasting possession. Verse 35, a great reward ahead of us. Verse 36, a promise to hold on to. Verse 39, a means of preserving our soul. There is something still ahead to be held on to. And our author has, has referred to this promise or this hope throughout his letter. 
Um, and he actually says over and over again, we can hold on to this promise with confidence or boldness. He says it again and again. And if you go back and look in Hebrews, anytime it talks about this promise or this hope or this confidence, it, it always is pretty clear what that promise is. And it is nothing less than full access to and communion with the God of the universe. The God whose very being is life and love. That's the promise. We see that in, in chapter 4, verse 16, 6, 19, and 20, 7, 19, 10, 19. I guess just go back and read all verse 19s. That seems to be uh, the case. So many places in here. Um, and that's why to shrink back uh, is, is actually destruction because you're moving away from God's life-giving presence. But to press forward is to hold on to hope. And, and, and hope here, we could even say, just another name for the, the beautiful, good, bright future peeking through today's shadow. I think we need some of that hope, right? So what is um, the key to this hope, according to Hebrews? Um, it, it's it's pretty, pretty clear. It's faith. He says that uh, multiple times. He says, um, uh, my righteous one shall live by faith, in verse 38, quoting the book of Habakkuk. Um, he says, we have faith and preserve our souls. Uh, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, um, starting in chapter 11. Faith is the key there. And the biblical witness actually agrees with this. So uh, let's look at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, and we can see the same thing. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So the same thing we see there, uh, faith and, and hope. And what we need to notice here is that um, here and in Hebrew, um, hope is in some sense present. It's part of what we are born again into right now through Christ. But it's also something we wait for. It's a future reality um, revealed in the last time. And what does faith do? We see here, it, it guards us in and for this hope. It would seem then that uh, it's pretty important that we understand faith if it's kind of the link to get us to hope. But I would argue that although we might use that word a lot, faith, um, to quote uh, the great Inigo Montoya, you keep using this word, I do not think it means what, it think, it, what you think it means. Uh, right? It, it's just a word that, that gets thrown out again and again, and we need to actually stop and, and think through what, what does it actually mean. Um, so here's some examples of what that kind of, how, how we actually use the word faith in, in our culture today. For, for some... Faith is this thing that if you have enough of, you'll get health and wealth or whatever. You know, if you, if you believe it, you'll receive it. Um, name it and claim it, that, that whole thing. Um, which is just a very distorted view of, of Matthew 21, 22. Um, but you might say, well, I, you know, I don't believe in that prosperity gospel nonsense. Still, oftentimes we, we, we think of faith as this thing that if we have it, well, at least life should go generally okay. 
And, we're, and because of that, we're not, we don't really know what to do when like suffering or tragedy or, or the shadow comes over us. This is, I think we could call faith as magic or faith as a lucky charm. That's how we can sometimes view or, or, or act out faith. Or um, I've, I've seen people post something online like this. Maybe you have too. Um, if your faith causes you to usually fill in the blank with treat some people group terribly, um, you're doing it wrong. But of course, actually, you might be doing your faith uh, correctly. Um, that might be what your faith is calling you to do. Not every faith holds the same goals and values. And don't get me started on the things that are like, oh my goodness, I saw a man pay for a single mom's tank of gas, faith in humanity restored. Uh, call me cynical, but watch the news, people suck, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is faith as feel-good niceness, all right? And that's not what faith is. It's not just feel-good niceness. Um, we could also say, uh, there, people can answer this question in any number of ways. Do you have faith? And some might say, yes, I've been baptized. Um, I go to church every Sunday, and I even volunteer in the Littles ministry, which you should do. That's the real need. But whenever you just, you know, you're checking off those things, that's just faith as a religious checklist. Um, or you might answer that question, um, I do. I mean, I serve the, the, with, with the food ministry and with the Hope Clinic every week. That's limiting to, to faith as good works. Or you might say, yeah, I, I really feel the presence of God during worship. I love singing out and raising my hands. Uh, this is faith as a religious experience. Or we might answer the question, do you have faith? And this is, this is maybe my favorite one here. Uh, you can say, of, of course. I hold uh, to the ancient creeds, the Athanasius and Apostles and Nicene Creed and the Chalcedonian definition. And, and I hold uh, the standards of the, the Westminster Confession and the three forms of unity. And some of you are like, what is he even talking about? I know. This is what like, the, the snooty uh, theologians will say. This is, this is what, I, what I sometimes do. And it's really just uh, limiting faith to uh, religious doctrine or belief. Now, all of these might be parts of faith, but they're not the, 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 the full thing. So if we are to have a real lasting hope, hope in, ha- in, in, in having communion with God, then we need a real robust understanding of faith, which should lead to a real robust faith. And so I want us to look at, at, at three kind of aspects of, of faith to, to really hopefully lead us to, to, to grow into a, a, a more secure hope. We're going to look at the character of faith, the object of faith, and the grounds of faith. And I think um, this will help us understand faith a little more deeply, which will in turn help us to grasp onto the hope that we so desperately need. And I like having like graphics and charts and stuff, so I have some for us that will hopefully help, um, help us kind of get a, a, a big picture of faith too. So um, to start with the character of faith, uh, Hebrews gives us a pretty straightforward definition. Right, it just says, in um, chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Not seen. Pretty straightforward. Not so simple, I think, actually. And it's because of these two words, uh, assurance and conviction. And I wanna, I'll, I'll come back to that in just a second. But first, what we need to see with, with this definition here um, <clears throat> is that faith, at the very least, has some kind of connection to hope, which I've already kind of mentioned. But I think we can say that faith actually, um, how it relates to hope is that it, it elevates just a sense of longing into hope. So one Christian writer actually says that faith is an ingredient of hope. 
You start with, with longing, longing for a, a better state of affairs. You mix in uh, some imagination, actually envisioning that state of affairs. And then the icing on the cake is faith, which in some sense then secures that hope. Without it, without faith, you're left really just with wishful thinking or it's just, uh, it's just a dream that, that you have. But it's, it's faith that in some sense uh, latches onto that vision and secures it and, and, and draws it into hope, which helps us then push through the darkness. But this is where this gets, uh, uh, there's, there's some more nuance here. In, in what sense does faith secure our hope? The Greek word for um, assurance, we'll come back to the assurance and conviction here. The Greek word for assurance, hypostasis, if you care, um, it can kind of have two senses. On, on the one hand, um, it can kind of mean what we probably uh, took from this with, with assurance. It can have this like inward uh, sense of, of confidence, right? I'm just, I, I have this, this confidence that, you know, this thing will happen. Um, but there's a little bit more to, to, uh, to that. It can also mean um, substance or realization. So uh, instead of just being this uh, inward sense, it could mean an outward foundation working towards hope. So just a sense that you know, these, these, th- th- this thing will happen or an actual working towards it. Um, and then um, with, with conviction here, that isn't just a repetition of this idea of the inward sense, although that's, that's part of it. But it's more like a conviction based upon evidence. This is actually uh, courtroom language. So uh, for that reason, one theologian actually translates this verse by saying, faith is the firm ground for the things hoped for and the irrefutable proofs for the things not seen. But even here, uh, I think we're losing a little of that sense uh, of confidence that is here that we've actually seen all throughout Hebrews as well, there is that, that confidence as well. So uh, maybe this, uh, my, my, my first graphic here, um, can, can help us uh, break this down a little bit. So, so faith um, really uh, ha- has these three components. We can, we can talk about belief, we can talk about confidence, and we can talk about commitment. And this is because faith really is a, a, a disposition of the whole inner self, right? We have our mind. That's the thinking part of us. That's where we have beliefs. Uh, we have our affections, that, that guttural uh, feeling, desiring part of us where we get the, our confidence. Um, <clears throat> but it's also our will, the part of us that chooses to act. So, the, so commitment is a part of that as, as well. So... On the one hand here, faith is, it is belief. It does include that. Um, we can see that in um, verse 3 of our text here. Um, it says, by faith we understand. Right? There's an understanding here. Or uh, in 1023, uh, he talks about holding fast to a confession. Right? So there are actually beliefs that we are holding to. Um, you cannot have faith without believing certain things to be true. If you don't, then, then your faith is just contentless. It's just some kind of feeling. And Jesus, I think, even um, demonstrates this. Um, you might remember the parable of the sower um, in, uh, it's in all, or all uh, three of the Gospels, but Matthew 13 um, is, is a good one. Um, in, that, in that parable that Jesus tells, um, some seed is, is thrown out, and some of it lands on uh, uh, just the road. 
and then it is trampled on. Birds pick it up and, and take it away. Uh, and that seed, which is the word of God, doesn't take root. And why? 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 Well, Jesus explains it's because there was no understanding, absolutely none. And so faith had nothing to root into. So faith requires belief. But faith is also confidence, right? That guttural uh, something, that's uh, a, a, a conviction, that's assurance. It's, it's a joyful certainty uh, about it that, that wants to grab hold of the object. And again, I think uh, I, I've referenced that already, and we've seen that throughout Hebrews. So it's belief, it's confidence, and it's commitment. What you believe to be true and what you feel deep down to be right, you commit to. You live according to that. And so we know that this is an element of faith as well because we can look back at verse 36. um, And he says, So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So true faith commits or chooses to obey or live according to its object. All three of those elements are, are important. Because faith then secures our hope because it believes what the future holds, feels confidently, has a conviction about that future, and also commits to work towards that future. But you leave any aspect of, of faith out, and you get what I would call a, a, a false start faith. False starts. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually grow into true saving faith, or we call it an, an ill-formed faith, a faith that, that can't actually be a foundation for hope. Um, so, uh, I, I, mean, I kind of mentioned this already, you could, you could see faith as, as like, a, we could talk about a, a heady faith. Faith that is just, uh, you know, yes, religious doctrine, I, I believe all the right things. It's, it's just uh, the intellectual assent and um, even the demons believe, uh, James tells us. Um, so if that's the only kind, if, that, if that's if that's what you what, what you mean by faith, then you're like the demons. I, I, I don't want I don't want to be like that. I want a deeper faith than that. Um, following Jesus's parable of the sower, you could also say. Um, many people have a rocky faith, right? There's the seed that falls on, on the rock and, and it, it sprouts up really fast. There's, there's a joy, a confidence, an exuberance about it, but it lacks understanding. It's shallow and therefore dies out. Or you could have a thorny faith, um, maybe a level of belief, maybe some confidence there, but uh, it's, it's the commitment. You have too many commitments outside of God, so that faith is choked out by other cares and concerns. And that's no one here, right? None of these is full saving faith. All of them will leave you absolutely desolate and desperate when tragedy or suffering strikes, when when the shadow covers the present moment. Because the shadow may come in, in, in the form of doubts, right? Attacking our beliefs. It may be passionlessness or uncertainty coming after our confidence, or that shadow might be temptation and anxieties coming after our full commitment. And a full faith can actually balance out those times when there's an attack on one side of your faith. When you have a full faith, it's like you're able to send in reinforcements uh, when one side is, is, is attacked. And that's the kind of faith that we need to have if that's going to secure a real lasting hope. So you could stop and think about maybe which area of, of, of your faith needs the most nourishment or growth. 
But we also have to consider the object of our faith too, what we're actually setting our faith on. Because it's not simply the amount or quality or consistency of your faith that matters. I could have firmly held beliefs um, that, that I'm confident about, I've committed my life to, but if I've set my faith on the flying spaghetti monster in the sky, uh, which is Pastafarianism, it's actually a thing, you can look it up. Uh, it might be one of the only satirical religions, but it's actually a thing. Uh, then that object is too impotent, it's weak, it's unreliable to break through the shadow, to draw us forward. And I know, I know we're all good Christians, so we're all going to say, how, how silly, this spaghetti monster nonsense. I have set my faith on Christ. Well, good for you and your Jesus Sunday school answer. But are you sure? Are you sure you've actually set your faith um, not on yourself, your skills, achievements, beauty, influence? Uh, are you sure your faith isn't in your possessions or money or status or power or pleasure, Because I think if we stopped and, and took a look at where we spend maybe our, our, our time and our energy, it might show something else. Or maybe uh, your faith is set on, and here it goes, I had to bring it in, uh, a politician or a political party, military strength. I think we have a lot of thorny Christians. I can't help but wonder if our, if our deep commitment and allegiances to just other things aren't evidences that the object of our faith is something other than God. You know, it's, it, it is good and right for us to follow um, Paul's command in 2 Corinthians um, 13, 5, which we have up here. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Sometimes I think we just need to stop and examine what are we actually setting our faith on. Now, the object of our faith, um, to go back to our actually correct Sunday school answer, uh, I know I made a joke, but it is Jesus Christ. That, that's where we set our faith. Um, maybe we can even broaden that to say it's actually the goodness of God revealed most fully in Jesus Christ. So let's look at the, our next diagram here to kind of see this. Our faith is set on, the object of our faith is the goodness of God seen over time. So we can go back to creation and see the goodness of God. We can talk about redemption and the new creation. All of that is, is unseen by us in some sense, and we place our faith on that. So uh, notice that our faith is set on God's goodness over time, um, because faith is the conviction of all that is unseen. So when we go back to verse 3 in chapter 11, um, we see that by faith we understand that the universe was created, or um, other good words there could be uh, framed or ordered or prepared. It's, it's a very expressive word. That the universe was created by the word of God. And here's why it matters that we, we, when we talk about faith, we actually go all the way back even to creation. Because when we say, I have faith in Jesus, that is good and it is right. But we can mean by that, I trust Jesus only for my salvation. So I just, just on the redemption uh, uh, part, part of this here. And the rest of my life is basically in, in, in my own hands. Or maybe it's in the hands of fate or, or whatever. So, so my faith it has just to do with salvation and not so much to do with the rest of, of life. But what 
John 1 tells us, what, what Hebrews 1 tells us, Colossians 1 tells us, is that Jesus actually is the word through which God the Father created. So to trust Jesus means to trust God's good plan for creation, that he is Lord actually of all things, and that his way of doing things is actually the best way of, of doing things. So when we think about the object of our faith, we, we, we need an, an even broader view here. And there's another reason why this matters too. If God ordered the universe, if he set out its frame, don't you think he's capable of redeeming and reforming new creation? So, so by looking back and, 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 and expanding our faith backwards, we actually have an even more secure hope because we know God is the one who even set this whole thing up. So of course he has the power and the authority to make it right. <clears throat> but uh, especially and primarily, our faith is in God's redeeming acts through Jesus on the cross, an empty tomb. We have to, we have to look at the cross and the empty tomb. I mean, he overcame death. How incredible is that? How much greater confidence should we have in a hope for the future? When, when we look at the cross and at the empty tomb and we see the love and the power of God. And you know, on the cross especially, we see God's love. The fact that you know, we deserve to be up there. We deserve to be on the cross, but Jesus took it for us. That's so important because love creates the conditions for faith. Because, because perfect love, scripture says, casts out fear and builds trust or, or, or faith. So love actually sets the foundation for faith, which then uh, faith secures our hope. So we set uh, God uh, uh, alone as, as the one on whom we have faith because he has demonstrated his perfect love for us that gives us the confidence to place our faith in him which builds and secures that hope. So we've seen that faith secures hope which we require to push through the shadow. We looked at the character of faith, belief, confidence, commitment, thought about the object of our faith, the goodness of God over time, most fully revealed in Jesus Christ. But then we also need to think about the grounds of our faith. What is it that holds up, maintains, and nourishes our faith? For many of us, um, I think it's actually something inside of us. Right, so we take the the belief, um, the confidence, the commitment, and it's like we take that out and then try to stand on that. So uh, maybe it's, it's a, a religious experience. Um, and, and as awesome and life-changing as re- and as real as that might have been, feelings fade. There's that, that, that's no grounds. That's not a good foundation for faith. Um, when, again, we can do the same thing with, with our confidence, with our, with our commitments. Um, you know, we can take our good works, try to stand on that. I believe all the right things. We try to stand on that. But here's the thing, and this is your encouragement for today. <coughs> You're not caring enough. You're not fervent or pious enough. You're not smart enough. While we're at it, let's just increase our scope here. Same goes for your friends and your families too. Even this church. This church cannot bear the weight of, of your faith. At some point, uh, uh, friends forsake us. Uh, families can fracture. Churches let us down. And, and really, this only makes sense because sin has infiltrated and corrupted 
everything in this world, your own heart, and that spreads out to the entire world. So we need something outside the realm of sin on which to stand. And the really amazing news is that the same word that framed the cosmos, the same word that took on flesh and died on our behalf for our sins, the same word that rose to new life is the word that was written down for all believers and that testifies to these things. This, this, this right here, this is the only uh, reliable and unfailing testimony or source that we have for faith. The written word of God uh, draws us into life with God and nourishes our faith. Uh, I love that my, my two-year-old recently has, has uh, gone to sing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the uh, uh, book for me. I stand upon the Word of God is usually how it comes out. But it's just so great that she's even starting to see that. Um, now, we can only stand on the Word of God. This is, is one of those things I think we know, uh, right? We know, like, you know, uh, read your Bible, pray every day, and, and you'll, you'll grow, 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 sing. The other, uh, another kid's a kid's song. But I still think we need a renewed vision for the centrality of the word of God. Because this is what upholds our faith, which then helps to secure our hope. And I don't always know that our practice bears this out. So look at at the next graphic here to help represent this. We have the word of God underneath us, holding us up this whole time. And, And if we have anything else, if we replace that with anything else... Man, our, 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 our faith, which then brings our hope with it, comes crashing down. But this is how this is even better. Go to the next graphic. We have the Holy Spirit, right? Scripture says again and again that the Holy Spirit is actually a gift to us that instills faith in us. We see this all throughout Scripture. So, so look at this. Your faith is literally surrounded by God on all sides. It's above, it's underneath, it's within. He is there holding up your faith. So it's almost like when Paul says in Romans eleven thirty six, for from him and through him and to him are all things, he actually meant all things, even your faith. It's totally held in his caring and mighty hands, which is such a relief. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, sometimes I find myself in the position uh, and praying the same thing as the hopeless and frightened father in Mark 9. We can put this up here. In Mark 9, um, this man is bringing his demon-possessed son uh, to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus asked uh, the son's father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Just from childhood this has been happening. Man, And has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Do you hear the hopelessness of of the father? And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. He's like, if you can. And and immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Or I have faith. Help the fact that I so often lack faith faith. And that's my prayer a lot of times. And the beautiful thing is that God is sitting there listening, lovingly saying, absolutely. Take refuge under my wings. Have confidence on this rock. Stand on my word. I will never leave you nor forsake you. All that Christ has achieved is yours. Come be with me. 
This is the kind of faith, a full faith set on God in Jesus Christ, rooted in God's word and sourced by the Holy Spirit. That is the assurance or substance or foundation of our hope. The only kind of hope that can pierce the darkness of your present circumstances because it is a hope, as Peter said, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. One one final thought here. Um, One writer that I read this, this week reminded me of this truth. He says, Faith is a matter of time. It's a matter of time. For it is a virtue or a habit, not simply an internal property to be acquired, but an enduring pattern of action. So a deeply rooted and ever-growing faith, the kind of faith that's going to move towards hope, requires walking out, moving forward. But again, remember, when you walk forward, you're being held up by, by God. God's power is in you. You have your eyes set on him. So just walk. You know, there's, there's actually um, Peter at one point shrank back, right? Uh, here the text tells us we, we are not of those who shrink back. In Galatians 2, Peter shrank back. This to me, actually, uh, I find it to be very helpful because of all people, Peter had a, a kind of lapse in faith. He didn't have the, the, the strongest faith. What did he have though? The word of God, the Holy Spirit. He endured. I think we can endure as well. So this is our rallying cry that we need faith and it's only faith in Jesus Christ and it's only faith that is surrounded by God on all sides that can secure hope. So we need to take a hold of that faith or maybe we need to let that faith take a hold of us. And it's then that hope can shine through the darkness and we can charge the forces of sin and death and darkness. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. You are so good. You make a good creation and and you even are so good that, that you would send your only son to come and die on a cross and then be resurrected to, to restore our good world and, and, and specifically our hearts back into fellowship with you. And that is our, our hope. That is what we long for. And that is what the faith that you give us and that you uphold helps us to achieve. We have the confidence now that that, that is going to be a, a, a reality. And you are even helping us to take steps towards that. We actually, even now, even this morning, we get a foretaste of, of life in your kingdom. And that is such a beautiful thing. And I ask that, that you would... Uh, 
build up our confidence that can so often fade away. Help us to cut out the commitments that often vie for our uh, attention and our affections and even grow our understanding in who you are. Help us to, to see even more clearly the love that you have given us in Christ. And we know that, that as that faith in us grows, that man, whatever we're facing, and it might be some pretty terrible stuff that, that we are facing this morning, but you're stronger, you're greater. And so we trust in you. Be our hope this morning. And we love you and we thank you for all that you have done for us, for all that you will do for us.